Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Com Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A M P I R E. Always much appreciated when you tune in, and you can always read my work on ESPN.com. And if you want to become a member of the show, go to the Empire Media YouTube page. You see the join button, click on that, find a membership that you're happy with. Go go from there. And there you go. Thank you very much for all those who have become members already. Now, in about in a few minutes, in a little bit, I'm going to be play you my conversation I have with new defensive line coach, Daryl Tapp. Now, it's going to be the last five minutes of the show. It's just audio. When I record these, more often than not, I'm going to do it with my recorder when it's just a one-on-one and I'm not sticking a camera in some guy's face when it's just a one-on-one. It's a better interview the way I did it. If you want to just watch the video, there's no video. It's audio. This is a bonus. So I appreciate those of you who stick around and listen to it. Um, and it'll be the last five minutes of the show. So before I get there, I want to talk about a few different topics, starting with the story I wrote for ESPN.com the other day on going inside the hire of Dan Quinn. Now, the, you go back and read the story. It's on ESPN.com now. A couple of things stood out to me during this and also, I think, to the commander's um, leadership about Quinn and, and why why they liked him throughout. Again, I'm never going to say that he was the number one guy the whole way because nobody there said that. You know, they kept an open mind through this process. That's why when you heard somebody was a lock to be a coach, they're just wrong. Anyway, so, but I want, but there are, but definitely there were, but here's why they liked Quinn. Now, one of the things starts with that some of the people they heard from throughout the process, unprompted, like Falcons owner, Arthur Blank, sent, you know, got contacted Josh Harris to to put in, say some good things about Quinn. You had Steve Kerr, Golden State coach, texted Bob Myers and put in his two cents to hire Dan Quinn. And Richard Sherman talk, called Adam Peters to talk about that. And Peters also talked to Kyle Shanahan during the playoff run just about Quinn and his experience with him. And he's in, you know, I was told that he was, he listen, I know Kyle well enough. He's not effusive in his praise for other people. He was effusive in his praise for Quinn. So that's that's some of the stuff. And then also the other thing that really stood out was that 360 review that Quinn did. And he did that with Laura Oakman, who is a reporter for a TV reporter for Fox. Um, she does a lot of training with coaches or work with coaches and on, you know, I get in various ways. But one of the things she did with Quinn after he left the Falcons was what what he termed a 360 review. She just calls it focusing on his blind spots. So what this entails is, and if you read the story, it's all in there, but for those who didn't, what it entails is he gives her a list of names. He gave her 50, a list of 50 names. It's It can't be just like, oh, people who are going to sing your praises, these are blind spots. So this these she she requested people who you may have fired, who maybe you don't, who maybe you think, didn't like you, maybe somebody you cut, maybe somebody you passed over for a job. She then takes that list and she contacted as many as she could. She said, she she told me she talked to about 30 to 40 people and then she reports back. It's a really tough process because you have to be willing to hear what people say. And this is an anonymous, this is all anonymous. He did not find out who said what. 
the only way that Laura can do her job right in the, in, in the future is by granting this anonymity to these coaches. And she had told me that Quinn never even asked, well, who was that from? Or, or even said, oh, I know who that was from. But so what they, she goes and gathers all this stuff. And obviously this takes over months. And then she had this, she gives this detailed report and kind of sums up what people said and then delivers it to them via a video conference call, Zoom. And one of the things that she said that there were, again, there were people that would point out blind spots, but she said a lot of them would come back and say, you know, they would say X, Y, and Z, you know, maybe he spreads himself too thin or this or that, but they'd also say, but I love the guy. So, and you know, you don't have to, I'm not trying to make you sold on it. I'm just telling you why they were very sold, but it wasn't so much what people said about Quinn that sold them. That's just going through, that's just explaining the process. What they liked is that he did this process, that he, Quinn has a growth mindset for Pete, you know, then, and I think they recognize that very much, but that's what attracted them to him is that mindset of, of always trying to evolve in a situation. Right. And so like, that's forget whatever people said, it's what he took from that. And then what he took from that, he used it in Dallas. So for example, there were in the past, if he might, if a coach is having an issue with something, he might jump in and just help him with it and do this, or maybe say, you know, instead of saying, Hey, I need this from you in five days, he just go in and help him with it, whatever. In Dallas, he started delegating more and he would say, listen, you know, here's what I need. Get this to me in four days, whatever it is. And so it gives the coach more responsibility, more accountability, also helps the coach grow and develop, but it also allows Quinn to then focus on other things. And so that's one of the things that he took from that 360 review. And then the other part of that was the coaching staff. And some of that was in there, but a lot of that was what Quinn learned about himself is the need to set up the better succession staff uh, staff that has a better succession plan. And I think I've, and I know I've talked to you about this before, but that was one of the things that jumped out to the, to the Washington, to the people involved in the process about why they liked him so much. Um, but the, and then again, the succession plan was a big deal and because not every, it, it might be, it might sound logical that a coach would have that, but there was a different level of depth to his answers compared to everybody else in the process. And part of the, a lot of that is he's done it before. He knows what how important it is to get that right. I don't think everybody realizes how hard it is to build a good staff. But I think if you've gone through it, you have a much stronger idea. I think it also helped. One difference, you know, you, everybody talks about the two, Rivera 2.0. This is not that. But one of the differences here is that Rivera went straight from Carolina to here, essentially. I mean, there was a, obviously a few a month gap, but you but there was no time to really, really kind of look back and what happened and what went wrong at the end there versus, okay, you know, this is where it was. Just bring these people with me. Let's go. Quinn had a long time to think about what went wrong and had a detailed plan about how he would handle the next step. Now, is it going to be more successful? Don't know. We Nobody can predict that. But this is why they liked him a lot throughout the process. So, um, and I know, and I think I told you too, that you know, people there, and I talked to multiple people who were in the room, not guessing what, you know, but they were in the room. And one of the things that they said, they heard from significantly more people about Quinn reaching out about him or just coming up to them at various places and just talking about him. And some of them wanted to be on the staff. Some of them had jobs, didn't want, didn't need to leave, but they just wanted to kind of give their, um, 
uh, I guess, backing of or support to Quinn. Um, so, but anyways, and I think you see the kind of staff that was assembled. That's a lot of what people, I think, the, you seem to attract a good staff. Again, we'll see where this goes. Long way to go. We're just starting. But again, I'm just telling you why they were attracted to him. And that was all in the story. Worked on it for a while. And if you haven't read it, go give it a read on ESPN.com. But now you kind of got the nuts and bolts, the Cliff Notes version. And not a Cliff Kingsbury version, but the Cliff's Notes version. There you go. Now, the other thing I want to talk about before I you know, get a couple more items, and then we'll get to my five-minute little jaunt with Daryl Tapp, but is Sam Howell's trade value. Now, there was a story out by Ralph Vacchiano. He works for Fox Sports. He's covered the, he covered the Giants for various New York publications. Um, but he had a story out the other day just kind of gauging what would Sam Howell's trade value be. And he he said that some people told him that they, Washington could get a third-round pick. So I did ask around. I asked a few people what they thought of that. And I don't know what they're going to get. I don't even know if they'll trade him. Like this, I'm not even I'm not pushing Sam out the door. I've told you I think the kid can play in this league. Then I'd have no issue with them keeping him around. The only thing we, what I don't know is what if they what if they Washington decides, hey, we like Jaden Daniels or Drake May, and you you they want to pair him with a Jacoby Brissett or someone like that. Then and this like let him grow without having someone else here. And then if you really want to get another young guy in, you can always add that guy next year. And you know because with Sam he's going to he only has he has two years left on his deal which is attractive to another team as a starter. But if you're looking to groom a backup, then you might be grooming them in two years. You're going to have, you may have to pay them. So it may be more palatable to them to then if in that scenario is just to maybe make look to trade them. And then you got your young kid, you got your veteran. And then if you want to get another, your Brock Purdy type, you can get that guy next year if you want to go that route. But I'm only bringing it up is just because you're going to, we have to explore every scenario, right? But anyway, now I'm going to get into that more of this later, but I did ask around briefly. And I think there's some teams that definitely, if they view him as a high-end backup slash starter, that's the value of that, that role can can be a third round pick. So if that's the case, there may be a team out there that would do it. Cause some people I talked to thought like, yeah, I, I, I could see that. Um, you know, will that happen? I don't know. Um, but, but that's just, that's just something that I found interesting because I mean, again, that's the value they put on that. It just shows you how important it is to have a very good backup. And as I've told you, Sam knows, the air raid offense. Now you say he knows the air raid offense. He knows a version of it. The what they're going to play here is not what he played or used in Carolina, but he understands the concepts. He understands the passing concepts, and he understands you know what what um, what you need to do to be effective in that offense. But if they wanted to go a different way, then that that would that you could look for whether or not they get a third round pick. I don't know, but I do think that. If there's an analytics bent to it, the analytics would probably show, well, I know this because I've talked to people, would show that that the value of what he can offer or what someone, if somebody views him that way, that's what you could, that's what you could possibly get. Anyway, now, the other thing is on Tuesday at the Combine, both Adam Peters and Dan Quinn will address the media. And so we'll hear from them about various topics and it's it's the first chance to really talk to them since Dan Quinn was hired and you know on the and and I think that'll be um hopefully 
find some nuggets out of information there that will be clearly be asked about the quarterback situation as far as what are you going to do with the number two pick? I mean, they're not going to say one thing about this group. I think they're going to be very good at staying on message. I think they're, and this is a fairly disciplined group in that regard. So I think they'll be good at that. So I don't think you're going to hear, I don't think you're going to have any slip ups, but it could be like, what are you looking for in that position? Like, what are some of the thought processes? And um, I think there's also going to be talk about you. They have a lot of free agents, the guys like Cam Curl, there's been, it's been pretty quiet on a lot of fronts. So what is anything going to happen here or before for agency? We still have a few weeks, but so they'll, they'll be asked about that um, in, you know, as well. And the other thing is that the combine is kind of an interesting thing because the, not every team is sending their coaches down. In fact, the only coach that's there for Washington is Dan Quinn. He's only going to be there think it's somebody somebody said no more than 48 hours so i I wouldn't be shocked if i I think he might be going home tuesday night part of the part of what the thinking is that they have scouts there adam peter's going to be there all week scouts going to be there um that's new mark new guy martin mayhew they're all there and so they're going to have scouts there and they're going to have people in the interview room because that's what he but for the coaches they can watch the workouts on zoom they can watch the interviews are going to be taped. They can watch them on Zoom. So they don't need to all be there. And I think for a new staff, the idea is to stay back, get all your work done now because they're trying to put so much stuff together that it's a better usage of their time. And they're still going to see the workouts. They're still going to see the interviews. And you're going to have people in there. Not everybody needs to be in there in the interview room, but you're going to have people in there who know how to ask questions, you know how to parse it. And then you can also meet with these guys at pro days. You can meet with them when they come for their visit to your facility. So, but that's, that's kind of been the trend for a lot of teams too. Um, And, you know, the Rams and the 49ers, it's kind of been, you know, so there are a lot of teams do this, this way. It's also a good place to start to initiate, whether it's trade talks, meeting with agents, to start focusing on, you know, like if you're going to have, hey, going to have some interest in your guy, let's get together and just kind of feel things out or signing your own guys, meeting with the agents there. This is the week where that a lot of that stuff can start to start to happen. And this is also where the Carson Wentz seed was planted. So maybe not a great memory for you guys, but this is where all that stuff happens. That's why while coaches can stay back, GMs will always find value in this week because so many people are there, other GMs, the agents, the people that matter for them, helping them put together a team will be there. So that's why they'll continue to go. But the coaches, I think it's going to change a little bit as, as we go on here. Um, finally, before I get to tap, you saw, I'm sure you saw that Eric Bieniemy hired as, this, as an assistant coach at UCLA. Good for him. Hope he does well. Um, and I think I will say I think I think EB's got a lot to learn to grow as a coach. Can he do it? Sure. And I think this will be a good spot for him to grow and see not just um folks, it's never been just about his old school ways. There's just things he has to learn as a coordinator, as a play caller that that I think you know there were the players felt and we wrote about this that there was a stubbornness, you know, what need to be more collaborative. Those are all things that help you grow as a coach. Um, and I, that's why I say, I think this will be good for him. Go down there, maybe kind of help grow and develop there. And then, and, you know, hopefully something good for him can break in the NFL down the road. Um, and I know that he said that he felt he was, that he wasn't fired here. Here's what I know. This is, this will become a game of semantics. Um, whether he's fired, let go, parted ways. 
he wasn't going to come back. So, um, and that's, that's all fine. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to dredge anything up here. Um, but I, what I hope for him is that, you know, that he goes there, does a good job and I, and, and that he can work his way, continue to work his way up the coach ranks and, and see what happens from there. So that's, that's all I got. So we got to the end here. So here's my conversation with new defensive line coach, Daryl Tapp. You're back, and you're you're close to home. So, what does it mean for you to be here? Feels a sense of pride, man. Being a Virginia kid, mm-hmm. uh, going to Virginia Tech and playing, and getting a chance to play here in '13, and now to finally be back in a different role uh, as the coach of be my life. Just a sense of pride, man. I know that my family has been lifelong uh, Commanders fans. Uh, family friends been lifelong Commanders fans. We still have a home in the area from when I played here. Like, it's a sense of pride in me making sure I work my tail off and give my all to these players and to this coaching staff to make sure we get this program to where we want it to be. You you get a chance to lead a room for the first time on your own. Like, how excited are you for that opportunity? Uh, very excited. Very excited. I mean, I, I was a Cody line coach. I know. Too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, this, but you're you're now the, the guy. guy. Yes, you're sir. now the guy. I'm excited. And, and the reason I'm excited because for numerous reasons, I get a chance to work with Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. I played for Coach DQ in Seattle my last year in Seattle in 2009. So I know the kind of person he is, the standards he sets. Uh, get to work with uh, Joe Witt, New DC, mm-hmm. who is 100% who he is. That was not an act in his press conference. That's genuine who that man is. And then also, because I got some sheer animals in the D-line room. Yeah, you got a couple fellas. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting just to get around those guys after collaborating with Coach Witt and Coach Quinn uh, and really put these guys in position to go make plays. Now, it is, it's a it's a easier, it's a harder process than just what I just yeah. said. Like, I have to make sure that I connect with these guys so that when those moments happen where adversity hits, which it will, that we can be truthful with one another without anybody getting in their feelings or anything like that. We can see eye to eye and get this thing corrected. Me as a former player, I know that's one thing that I appreciated most about playing for Dan Quinn and a couple other coaches that I truly, truly respected the value that they poured into me as a person, individual, not as the group, but as Daryl Tapp. And when they hit me with truth, good or bad, I was able to accept that and grow from it. I want these guys to have that same experience, uh, get this thing going the right way. So you played a long time. What? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, which is good. I mean, it is. Good. So, but what did you learn as a coach that maybe you know that where you've improved what you've known? Because obviously, when you're playing, you're. But what no have doubt. you learned as a coach that maybe has made you just a smarter overall, you know, an ability to be in this spot? Um, I say the lessons that were being taught as a player, I've been able to see those things full circle now. Okay. So. It seems in a crazy way that me playing 12 years for six different teams and under numerous yeah. <laughs> coordinators and head coaches and schemes and having so many teammates will prepare me to be a coach because I honestly feel like I can connect with anybody that's in front of my face, whether it be from game of football, whether it be about life, whether it be about music. I can find some common ground to where me and you can see eye to eye and we can go and grow from there. And that's probably been the biggest thing that I've learned as a coach, being the bridge that got from a player now to being a coach, like connecting with the players that I get a chance to work with to get them to be the best possible person they can be. Kind of important. 
<laughs> the only thing, <laughs> right. relationship business. Right, it is, <laughs> it is. And then, you know, what have you learned also about how we, being able to develop players and like, you know, and just how to reach guys? Yep, I say the development aspect of players has come largely from being able to work with Chris Kassour. Okay. Uh, that's that's my my guy, my ace, uh, as far as in the football world, because I got to work with him the last three years. And the other two people would be Jim Washburn, mm-hmm. who okay. was also Chris Kassour's yeah. uh, mentor, and Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn was, I played for him my last year in Seattle. Uh, I went through a situation where I got traded from Seattle to Philadelphia and kind of caught me off guard. And DQ was constantly in contact with me, walking me through that process, making sure I was sane. Because uh, that's, a, that's a very traumatic kind of thing <laughs> you're not expecting as a player. So uh, those three guys have shown me how to develop players and pour into those guys and getting them from A to Z, or at least on the path to A to Z, uh, to be the best person they can be. Last thing, you got two guys in the middle. Yeah. You know, two, two pretty good starting blocks. Hey, what, what, do you, what do you think of those two? <laughs> uh, special. I met uh, Jay Allen today. Massive man. <laughs> He's a big A lot fan. of power. And yes. I've always admired those guys from a distance. Even when we played them this past year, when we came to town, like I, I just had to tell those guys, guys are ballers. So having the chance to uh, work with those guys on a day-to-day basis is going to be pretty exciting on that. My interior should be stout as we get this, as we get the scheme together uh, collaboratively with Coach Quinn and Coach Witt uh, to get these guys uh, in those positions to make plays. Like it should be, it should be fun. Thanks, Terrell. Yes, Appreciate sir. it, man. Good to see you. Yeah. That's it for me. Thanks to Daryl for chatting up for a few minutes. Thanks to you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on Wednesday with another episode talking about what did we learn from Adam Peters and Dan Quinn in their combine interviews on Tuesday. We'll talk to you next time.